Hey guys, it's Brant and I'm back with another uh, review and this is off the soundboard week and this is a video, uh, this is part one in four video series and I had the unboxing video before this one where I op opened all these albums up. I'm going to give you a little view of each one of them again in these videos and show you the shirt or any other merch that I might have gotten with it. Uh, I've only got shirts with two of them and those are not on this video. Um, that'll be on ones to come. So today we're going to be talking about the first release in the Off the Soundboard. We're going to be talking about the Tokyo. And I've got uh, Rob's going to be riding along with me from Right Between the Eyes podcast. He's going to be riding along with me on this ride. And uh, he's got some of his stuff there to show. He's He's got, he was talking to me just before we started. He's got the cards that he buys and puts in there. Yep. And uh, said just to give it additional artwork. Uh, they are kind of plain, but I, you know, there's so much they could have done with this. They could have done some different stuff, but with each one of these, I had some ideas about they could have maybe made it so if they knew they were going to do a predetermined amount, they could have made it so that um, they folded open and they created a picture, kind of like the kiss cards did on the back, mm -hmm. but. I understand what they did with it and what they're the, what they're going for. A lot of people they they give these a lot of a hard time, but at least they are kind of making them consistent and making them look, look bootlegish. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't really have no qualms about it. I mean, it is what it is. This is what we get. Um, you know, they they did do some little Easter eggs on some of them that we'll talk about in later videos. But this is the Tokyo one. And uh, this is the one that when it comes to the colored vinyl, this is the one that a lot of people really didn't understand. The bone. Bone. Uh, the bone. And, and basically, uh, as I've seen in my prep, in my uh, box opening, I showed all, all three of my bones. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's basically just clear with some type of cream, creamy substance, uh, you know, pressed and splatted in the middle of it, if you will. I mean, it's cool. Um, you know, it's good, good quality vinyl. The vinyl's real thick yeah. and everything. So, um, and you know, so that's it. It's three albums and uh, I didn't get a shirt with it. So we can just go ahead and uh, Rob, you got any thoughts before we kind of get into giving a little bit of history about these and talking about the tracks? Yeah. Now I've, I've been double dipping on a lot of these. So I didn't buy the black vinyl. I got the same bone vinyl. Like I said, I got the cards where I wanted a little bit of extra artwork, but I've also been getting the CDs as, as well to just kind of uh, have them. And then I got the Japanese release. Have you seen what is inside of the Japanese release version? No, I'm so not. this is, this was cool. So I'll, I'll pull this out here and get it out. What they did is that they reproduced the tour book and shrunk it down. Oh, very so, cool. And then it is the Japanese tour book because it does have the insert for Eric Singer. Oh, yeah. So that was, I forget what it was. I think for, with the yen and all that other stuff, I think it mm -hmm. came to like 50 bucks or something like that. Um, just for pricing and everything. But I thought that was cool. I've got the actual real tour book, but to have this in with the CD, I thought, man, if they do this every single time is mm -hmm. find the appropriate tour book and put in with the thing that, that 
made me go, okay, now I felt like I had artwork to go with this. So I think this was a missed opportunity. I get, the Japan always gets the coolest thing, but it's, you know, right. a total 100% reproduction, just very, very small. Right. I'm just, that would be so cool if they would have done that with these, if they would have, they would have bootlegged the, yeah. the, the tour books. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's what a lot of people's beef is with these. It's like, okay, Kiss, the uh, Kiss are making official bootlegs themselves, and the bootleggers are still beating them with their own game. I wondered if this was a cost-saving measure. What is the least amount of money we can put behind this project? We're going to do just the music rather than pay a bunch of money for somebody to do artwork, stamp it, move it along, and get it out. Yeah. Yeah, and the rate, rate that they're putting these out, me and you talked about that, that we're going to have release dates as we go along. But one was like the first, there was like a six-month difference between the first and the second. Mm -hmm. And then... And then the, the second and the third, there was maybe like a lesser amount of time. And then between the third and the fourth, there was like a three-month period. It was like from March to, what was it, September? September, so, I yeah. Mean, yeah, so it's like they, they're they pumping them out. And we know they got at least one more in them because now that they've started the color schemes, we've got to have blue. Yeah. And that's what that, you know, we'll talk about, we'll talk about in video number four, once we get to Des Moines, we will, Des Moines, we will talk about um, we'll talk about some possible uh, speculations on what we think that what we think the next one could be or what we would mm -hmm. like it to be. Uh, but like I said, yeah, I think it's definitely at this point in time it's cost measure, it's cost savings, and you know Universal's definitely pumping some things out. And uh, so we'll go ahead and get into um, we'll go ahead and get into Tokyo. Uh, just a little bit of background here. Uh, Tokyo 2001 is with Ace and Eric. It was recorded at the Tokyo Dome on March 13, 2001 during the farewell tour. Yeah, just show that stuff off, man. Uh, it was uh, uh, filmed during the farewell tour to a packed 55,000K audience. 55,000 audience. Um, it was released on June the 10th, 2021 as the first album in the Off the Soundboard series, 3LP clear vinyl bone swirl. And uh, my initial thoughts of it, that it sounds really, really good. It's a nice long set with 21 songs. Great set list that included songs spanning 12 albums from the debut all the way to Psycho Circus. I would like to see more songs from Ace, maybe Rocket Ride and, mm. or, and maybe 2000 Man or a song off of Dynasty in place of Talk to Me. I would like to see Nothing to Lose to give Eric another vocal. Yes, I said to give Eric another vocal. Um, mm -hmm. Other than Black Diamond, the sound of the recording is good uh, and the mix is good. Uh, Paul screams and just the way he sings some of the songs or the things he does in between songs to me is really annoying. If he could have pulled that back a bit, it would have been amazing. And you're always going to hear me say that about Paul because Paul needs to just needs to just pull it in a little bit, brother. Just pull it in a little bit. <laughs> you know, I've always wondered, do you notice it? at the live show or do you notice that like you're in the show and you're captivated by the the lights the sounds and everything and i'm not really paying much attention to paul's stage raps at the show but sitting back home listening to countless bootlegs i'm like did did he really say that did this a hundred thousand years do you feel right go on as long as it did or 
because we're replaying these albums over and over again, we're like, oh my gosh, Paul, back off. I always wondered like where people fell with it. Were you somebody that was like, nope, I recognize it at the show and it annoys me. <laughs> um, I would think, not, like I said, the last time I saw a, a Kiss show was the Farewell Tour. I've, oh, okay. not, I've not been to any, any show with the new band. I, I have not. And uh, I'm planning on whenever they announce the next 100 dates, if they come close enough to me and they go to an outside amphitheater where I can get some lawn seats and just sit back and watch the show, I may buy tickets. They're not, they're not that crazy expensive. Get two tickets for probably less than $300. Yeah. Um, but uh, I know that back during the time, like whenever I remember shows, you don't really, you, when you're there, you're just caught up in the moment. And mm. I, I never really noticed it. Like even during like Animalize and uh, Asylum and those, those Revenge and those shows I saw where Paul had basically the same shtick that he's been doing for years. Yeah. Uh, I didn't notice it. And, uh, but now when I watch live shows back then, like even now I hear live shows and I'm like, Oh, you know, Paul, God, man, just, just calm it down just a little bit. Just quit dragging it out. Sing another song instead. And you kind of notice that if you listen to these albums, like pretty consecutively, consec not consecutively, like in the order they came out. But mm -hmm. if you listen to them in the order that they actually were performed, if you start with at this point, Des Moines, and you work your way all the way up through, um, what would it be? It would be Rock the Nation. Rock. It would be Rock the Nation. Yeah. If you if you listen to them in those order, you will notice that Paul's banter and and his um, prodding of the crowd does get more and more extreme and more and more drawn out and over the top. It, over time, it does. He doesn't yeah. do it a whole lot at, 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 on the Des Moines. Very, and when he gets into it, it's about the time you go, oh, here he goes. He stops. And you're like, oh, okay, cool. They're going to sing another song. So we'll talk about that. Um, but yeah, I do, I, I do kind of think that I think I'll notice it when I go see him live. Uh, <laughs> I think I'll notice it just because I know how Paul is now. And I've yeah. seen enough recordings of the end of the road tour unless they make drastic changes on these last 100 dates which i'm kind of curious if they're going to do that or not are they going to revamp the they show should. i mean yeah. are they going to revamp the show they're going to have a little bit of time to do it i mean you know, it looks like they're taking time off after october and then i think they got a show on new year's eve and there's no really any there's no dates after that at the time of this recording there's no dates so it's a good opportunity to revamp the show, maybe record some new vocal tracks. And I don't mean <laughs> that in a slight. I mean, you know, if he needs them, you know, to rec at this point in time, I know that he's using them. So if I go and I and I go, I accept the fact that I know that he's using them, even though if they don't come right out and say that they are, I know that they are. And if I purchase my ticket, then I'm ex it's like I'm accepting that fact. It's like I'm accepting the terms of that agreement. You know there I mean? you go. Um, you know, I... I always wonder, with, especially with like Tokyo, when they go to Rio, when there's that language barrier, sometimes I feel like Paul has to be like, hey, I'm going to use some of your words. I'm going to use some phrases in Tokyo or in Japanese or, you know, what, whatever the language is, Portuguese mm -hmm. in some places. I think sometimes he, he like overcompensates for the language barrier. And it's these really weird, choppy, broken mm -hmm. sentences where you're like, oh, just... I would rather you just play right. through four or five songs, but it's like play a song, talk, 
play a song, talk. Huh. Right, hold on a second. Let my dogs quit. <laughs> um, yeah, and I noticed that with Japan, uh, with the Tokyo, it's almost like not only is he using the 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 language, but he hakshu hakshu. Yeah, he, he slows down. <laughs> is everybody having a good time? <laughs> it's like Paul. 80% of Japan speaks English. <laughs> yeah. Like, just, Let's go. Just 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 sing, man. Just sing. Talk like normal. They're going to understand you, I promise. It's like yeah. their second language over there. They understand. Um all right. So uh it was interesting. I said they did uh 21 songs. This is a long long I think it's the long most songs of any of the sets of any of the off the soundboards. Um and they span 12 albums. So they do five off the debut one off of Higher Than Hell, one off of Dress to Kill, four off of Destroyer, one off of Rock and Roll Over, two off of Love Gun, one off of Dynasty, one off of Unmasked, two off of Creatures, one off of Lick It Up, one off of Animalize, and one off of Psycho Circus. So they start the concert off with Detroit Rock City. Um, my thoughts on it is it sounds really good. It sounds good with Eric and Ace combo on this one pretty much, mm -hmm. pretty much throughout the album, Ace and Eric singer make a pretty good team uh yeah. in, in the ying to uh paul and jeans yangs so what do you think about detroit rock city i thought it, it uh especially after hearing the millennium concert and no slight to peter there's a little bit more pep and there's a little bit mm -hmm. there's a much heavier foot behind the kick now and the songs mm -hmm. have have some snap where they didn't again i, I like and love peter chris get that out of the way but there's you could tell that Ace is, and he has said in recent interviews that he really enjoyed his time playing with Eric and mm -hmm. had said he, Eric was really doing his homework for the tour. So I, I dug Detroit Rock City. It just has a pop right from the get go that's like, all right, we're in for something, something pretty cool here. Yeah. I love the way Eric plays Detroit Rock City during this oh, time. Yeah. During this yeah. time, he is, he is just, he, he played it so well. Um, Track number two, Deuce. So I love that that follow-up. I love that they Paul got his song right off, and then Gene gets a song right off, and he gets the classic Deuce. And my thoughts is I love Deuce. I mean, it's Deuce. And it's great to see it right after Detroit, Detroit Rock City, and they sound great on this song. Uh, Deuce has a lot of drumming in it, too, and Eric just nails this drumming. A Ace nails his solos mm -hmm. on this album. Ace sounds really good. He doesn't sound sloppy. He sounds good. He sounds like he's still putting in the work uh, on this. I think he kind of playing with Eric kind of re-energized him. You know, yeah, I think yeah. Ace is kind of a businessman. It's like, yeah, you know, him and Peter were part of the originals. But at the same time, it's like, OK, Peter's not in the band anymore. I'm still here. So while I'm still here, you know, until he got pissed off with Gene and Paul. And you know, that's another that's a that there's yeah. an episode I want to have with me and you one day is I want to just sit down and, and just, okay, let's pretend we're Ace and Peter. <laughs> you know, let's, let's, let's pretend we're Ace and Peter and we're in a band with Gene and Paul both times, you know, um, mm -hmm. that's a, that's a video for another day, but, but Deuce, they just sound so Ace and uh, Eric just continue to sound good along with Gene and Paul on this one. Mm -hmm. Uh, and any any thoughts you you have just throw them in, no, man. No, I'm no ditto. I I, I like this. It's a it's always a good one two punch with, uh, I about said uh, 
Deuce, uh, Detroit Rock City, and and then Deuce. If I got the song order flipped, yeah. Um, and and they, they work flipped either, but it, just that opening for my time coming as a Kiss fan in the late '80s, it was always Detroit Rock City, always followed uh, by Deuce for the most part. Mm -hmm. I know I stole your love, opened some shows and stuff, but mm -hmm. I, I I like those. Um, track three, shout it out loud. And even though they've been doing this song early in the set for a long time, I'm still not used to hearing it this early. Uh, mm. This is a near end of the set song for me. It sounds amazing, though. The mix, Gene and Paul trading vocals, um, the background vocals all sound great. Background vocals on this, uh, you know, anytime you have Eric Singer in the mix, uh, singing, helping sing background, he really helps bring in that bottom uh, or brings in that fill in with just Gene. Because just two, just your lead part, your lead singer and the other co-lead singer singing behind you is not really so much as far as what I'd call, call background vocals. Right. Um, but whenever you add in a third voice and Eric sings so well and his voice mixes in with theirs so well, it, the background vocals sound really good. We said this on our show that when, you know, Paul got used to having Eric Carr and then Eric Singer sing behind him which paul didn't have to handle all of the high register so he could kind of drop down in it in a more no normal lead vocal capacity but when ace and peter came back in paul had to reshift his vocal style to take care of the higher parts because ace and peter's vocals weren't there so that caused some from gina paul so you can hear in this show that Eric is now taking care of some of the higher end stuff and with Gene and Paul sounds a little bit more even. So like go mm -hmm. back and listen to the millennium show, you know, especially on shout it out loud. You can hear the change in Paul's and Paul's voice. And I'm not talking how he's singing, how he's singing, but he seems more relaxed because of uh, the ability of Eric singer. Right. Um, and then you have the curveball thrown at you. Talk to me. I've always thought this was an interesting um, set list choice for Ace on the Farewell Tour. I'm glad Ace got to sing more than one song, but I'd have liked to sing this another song, sing this as another song in this spot. But but still, it sounds good. I mean, it, it's Talk to Me. It's, it's one of those songs that Kiss doesn't handle very well live, but uh, but... I think it's still, I think it sounds good. It could have been worse. I just would have liked for it to be something else. I'm happy with it being this song and not something else. I'm, I make it booed for this, but I'm glad it's not 2000, man. I'm glad it's not back in the New York groove. I think this was kind of a chip for Ace to have, like, well, Peter's gone. Mm -hmm. I want to do something a little different. And, um, I, I was shocked back in, you know, 2001 to see that you know, talk to me was on there. I couldn't have dreamed of a, a song that mm -hmm. Ace would have done. Oh, it's right. going to be back in the New York groove or, you know, 2000 man. That would have been totally fine, acceptable. But this was also the tour as we get to Australia where Ace starts taking control of the stage and Paul and Gene mm -hmm. have that moment of like, what the hell are you doing? So I think this is the start of that. So I, I, I right. dig this track a lot. Yeah, it's and, and it does. They do sound good on it. it. It's it's good to see you know something off unmasked you know on yeah. on a show like this, and uh, it's good because it, they don't train wreck it too bad. They don't really mm -hmm. train wreck it at all. I mean, sometimes when they pull out a rarity, they really train wreck it. And uh, but this is where Paul's raps. I've got to notice it's like 
Paul's raps um, after the song where he's going, how we doing? Good, good, good. <laughs> he says it like four times in a row and my dog will sit and go. <laughs> when I'm listening to it in the hat, when I'm in here in my room listening to it, she was laying in the floor and he started doing that. And he, she, she sat up, she was turning her head sideways. Good, good. <laughs> um, next, I love it loud. Sounds pretty good. Uh, mm -hmm. better uh, than it usually sounds live. Um, once again, Paul's long rap singing, um, singing this time, just, uh, you know, like when he, this is when he, when he starts to go into, we got a little number for you now. <laughs> <As> he starts, <laughs> when he starts singing it, I know I, you and you and uh, Nico and Nick always do that. That, that cracks <laughs> me up when y'all make fun of Paul. Uh, um, but I love it loud. It's one of those songs I've always had a problem with because I love, I love it loud, the studio version and the studio version. I love it loud. is so great that almost every live version I've heard of it just kind of, it pales and falls flat and it just doesn't have the same energy. They cut out a whole verse. Mm -hmm. um, they, it's just, it's just weird. And it just becomes a whole big long thing of going, hey, hey, yeah. And then getting the crowd to do it. And, kind of, you know, I mean, I know it's when you're there. Yeah, that's great. Because I'd be down there, you know, pounding my fist and saying, hey, 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 right back too. Um, but this one actually sounds better than what it usually does. Yeah. Uh, Firehouse is the next track. I really love this version. Uh, they just sound good on this one. The background vocals, Aces solo. Um, although I did notice at this point in time with, with Firehouse that Ace's solos didn't seem quite as high up in the mix that um, yeah. I would have liked for them to be. They seemed like they were a little low. And uh, and uh, Eric's drumming is on point on this song. It, it's on He's on point on the whole album, on the whole yeah. show. Uh, he's just, he's such a professional. And, and he, like I said, he's, he really did his diligence on these songs and, uh, he sounds really good on this. Um, any thoughts on that? Uh, just other than knowing what Eric's schedule was, that there was no pre-production for Eric. Uh, they had him put the makeup on like the night before. So the only time he gets a chance to play with the bombs and the staging is at this show live he says when he's coming down off the riser that was the first time off the riser the bombs are going off the very first time and the fact that all of this stuff is going on in the era that he wasn't in that he can stay on point in this is just i think that's just impeccable of his timing and his character and plus it's like the shorthand it's only been five years since he's been out of the band but um uh, firehouse is, is just completely solid where you go okay this dude knows these songs and mm -hmm. is it going to be distracted by oh there's a bomb going off you can you know i've got the video for this show as well and you, i was watching him going he's not even flinching man he's that locked into it so yeah and firehouse kind of is the epitome of his ability yeah i agree um firehouse is followed up by do you love me um I've just got, it sounds good too. The background vocals are, is good. The mix is good. Do You Love Me is one of those songs that has kind of iconic background vocals during during the chorus, that whole, do you mm -hmm. love me? And do it has, 
it's yeah it has those layers because it was original ezrin produced so mm -hmm. it has those layers and so the sound the chorus the sound of the chorus of the background vocals has a sound and they emulate it very well on this one uh they they don't mm -hmm. always emulate it well but they emulate no. it well on this one and we, um, we say it all, all the time on our show we we have do you love me fatigue like i hear of a song <laughs> now and go i'm so tired of this song mm -hmm. <laughs> but again it, on this recording it's it's done very well and they they're spot on with it i'm just tired of <laughs> hearing the song right it's one of those i they could take it out of the mix they could take it out of the set list for me and it yeah, wouldn't bother me I, I and i will not care <laughs> um followed up by calling dr love sounds great as most of these songs do like i said calling dr love they do a phenomenal job on calling dr love as well gene sounds so good on this Eric Strumming is good on it. Ace's song, Ace's solo is good on it. Uh, like they're they're just right now to this point, they're just sounding totally awesome mm -hmm. as a band. Uh, Heaven's on fire. Paul sounds good at the beginning. He blows my mind at the beginning of this. Oh my god! Uh, his voice was just his voice and his pitch was just still there. No crack. No 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 even unctions of cracks no at this point in time um and uh and it's kind of i noticed ha about halfway through this i'm sitting here going wait this is ace playing this and this is mm -hmm. not an original ace song so kudos to ace um for for you know playing a song and sounding and sounding good playing it heaven's on fire it's one of my favorite kiss songs from the 80s uh and it's one of my favorite songs. It probably is my favorite song off of Animalize. Um, no, maybe not. Um, but uh, I've always did like it, like the video. I liked what it did for the band at the time. It oh, kinda, yeah, yeah. You know, put them back up there also as well, just right on the heels of Lick It Up. And so Heaven's on Fire sounds great on this. It was good to see it included. Yep, definitely. Uh, Let Me Go Rock and Roll. Uh, one of my favorite early kiss songs mm. the way they just jam they took this short little song off of dress to kill or no off of hotter than hell hotter than hell yep uh, they took this little short song off of hotter than hell and they turned it into this jam on uh alive and then it kind of metamorphosed through the years sometimes and sometimes wasn't included but i love to see that it was included i love this version um ace and the ace and eric combo on this one is just absolutely phenomenal mm -hmm. um ace again needs to be louder in the mix though his solos just are not loud enough uh, in yep. the mix on this yep i'll agree um uh, shocked me believe it or not ace slips a little on the vocals on this one for me he he doesn't shock sound me as, he doesn't what sound is that as, yeah shock <laughs> me he doesn't sound as good on Shock Me as he did on Talk To Me. Right. Um, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, but everything else sounds great. The solo on the end is a little long. I usually let it get a little bit into a solo and I usually skip it. I don't need all that because I'm not there seeing the guitar go up through the and all yeah. that stuff. You're not there seeing it. So it's a lot of times I'll let it get going maybe tw maybe 30 seconds into the solo and then I'll skip. Um. Followed by Psycho Circus. Psycho Circus sounds great. It's a oh, great, yeah. God, it's a good version. Yeah, this um, is, of probably of all the versions that 
we have recorded, which are few and far between, this might be one of the best recorded first as far as live goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds really good. Um, lick it up, lick it up sounds good as well. I love mm-hmm. the way they start lick it up live, and lick it up is one of those songs that, um, to me on the album. It's boring almost to the point that I can't stand it. It's so neutered and it's got that long introduction of just yeah, yeah, but I love where they just start that off. Don't want to wait till you know me fed up. And then they all come in. Yeah, I love that. So lick it up sounds good on here as well. Uh God of Thunder, Gene sounds good. God of Thunder, this version is really good too. And Eric's drum solo just stinking smokes. I let it play. Mm. I mean, his drum solo is just so thought out. He's not just back there beating on drums. And I'm not doing that as a slight towards anybody. Um, right. But his his solo is just very well thought out. And and it keeps you engaged. And as a drummer, I, and I'm one of those people, I'm a drummer, but I don't like drum solos. I don't like to just, unless I'm there watching and seeing the visual of the guy playing and watching what he's doing, but then to go back and just listen to the recording of it, it's got to be something really good and really engaging and have some technical merit to it for me to go, oh, oh, how'd he do that? What did he do there? And if it doesn't have that, I'm just like, skip. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I love this solo. It's fantastic solo. And this is where, you know, he steps out of, okay, I'm playing the songs traditionally. You know, he's only playing with one kick drum right now, so he's got the double pedal going. So mm-hmm. when this solo starts and you hear him start to slowly throw the left pedal in there, you're going, oh, there's mm-hmm. there's Eric. This is what this guy can do. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I love this. I play this straight through all the time and was just kind of mesmerized, you know, getting to hear it and figure out, okay, what he, what's he doing, what part's there. So, yeah, pretty cool. And I thought we yeah. thought it was funny. Paul said, you know, we had Eric scale down his drum set. No, you didn't. You took away a kick drum and he added nine other drums. <laughs> He's got drums on the left hand side that he never had before. He's got double mounted toms on the other side. So he's playing with a lot more drums. You just took away a bass drum, Paul. <laughs> right. I think they tried to make it look more like a, a traditional kiss. Yeah. Drum yeah. Set. Yeah. yeah. Um, cold gin sounds good. Cold gin just so good. The solo's a little low, but that whole that whole thing that they go into that just sounds so good. The tempo, it's something I hadn't mentioned either. The tempo on these songs is really good. They play really good tempos. None of them feel like they drag too much. None of them feel like they're being rushed. They all just kind of fall into the groove that they're supposed to fall into. And that is important because you can ruin a song by either playing it too slow or playing it too fast. You can make it to where it kind of drudges when it should be kind of popping uh, by by going too slow. And you can make it lose its groove and lose its soul by playing it too fast. Is Um, this the first official recorded version of Cold Gin that features both Gene and Ace? on lead vocal does the millennium concert do they do cold gin in the millennium concert because what i was getting at was like on our show nico had said this is his favorite version of cold gin just because of that dual lead vocal and i don't think the millennium concert does maybe while you're talking i'll pull my millennium album out but i don't think it's on there which would which kind of makes this version special if that's the case 
because it's the only time Ace and Gene. I mean, I know they've done it in concerts before, but as far as something we can have to hold, it's official. It's not on there. I just pulled it up on Wikipedia real quick. It's not okay. on there. Cold Gin's not on there. So that's right. that kind of makes this version special just because that's the the first time as far as the recording goes, we've got one in our hands. So Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's not on there. Yeah, just great, great track, great track. Can't say enough about it. And I'm, we're, you know, on to the second disc or the fourth vinyl now, or third side of the vinyl now. And this is turning out to be a, a really good first offering from off the soundboard. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we're getting towards the end. 100,000 years. Sounds great. Um, Paul's vocal acrobats get to me in this one and all the crowd, crowd massaging at the end. 100,000 Years is one of those songs that uh, I love it up to it gets to the point where Paul comes out to talk to the crowd and do you feel all right? You know, and all the stuff that he does during that time. Uh, it just, it gets to me. Um, yeah. And I I hate it sometimes that he, he ruins something, but, you know, oh well. This song has become a, constant skip i'm almost to the point where i can't stand the song anymore i think mm -hmm. because of all that and even now in the end of the road where they were doing it as a whole now they're doing it as a part and the worst part of the song is the spot that they're doing it on the end of the road tour i'm like just cut it the, the novelty mm -hmm. in the 90s when they weren't doing it when they brought it back in 94 or whatever it was like oh my gosh they're playing a hundred thousand years and after the reunion tour i'm like okay we can retire the song Mm -hmm. um, I could go another hundred thousand years and not hear the song. So. Yeah, I think they could continue to keep it in there. I do like it. I just wish that they would. If Paul shorten comes it. that, yeah, just have have. Yeah, just shorten it. Just shorten the whole the whole banter. Just banter somewhere else. Just not during this part. I mean, Nick has said a hundred times, like, how many times do we have to see Paul? throw the microphone in the air and swinging it around his neck, trying to choke himself. Then back mm -hmm. around, I'm like, okay, Roger Daltrey, let's, let's go. Right. <laughs> right. All right. So love gun, uh, love gun is not, I'm not the biggest fan of love gun and love guns. One of those songs. I think it's been in every single kiss set since the, the love gun album. It's one of it's Paul's hands down. One of Paul's favorite songs. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those songs that I've, I've heard it enough that if I never hear it again, and I wasn't the biggest fan of it to begin with, um, even all the way back to the Alive 2 out to Alive 2 era when I heard it for the first time. First time I heard it was live. The only thing that I liked about it was the machine gun snare drum that 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 da 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 and then at the end yeah. where he he does it really where Peter does it really fast. I always thought that was cool. Um, and I basically just to play along with this song and learn to play it just because I like the drums, but I think it's just long and drawn out and just whole look on, look on and the solo at the end. And it doesn't really have the solo till the end of it. Um, so it's just, I don't know. I like the solo. I do like the solo. Ace of solo. He sounds really good on this, but it's a good version of love gun. Um, then you get to a part of this that I think is probably my favorite one of my favorite parts of this album of this show 
where he gets to I Still Love You, and man, when he breaks into the opening notes of I Still Love You, and he still sing, sounds so good singing this, mm-hmm. um, until he gets to the, whoa, 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 baby, whoa. I mean, just that whole, baby, and at that end, it's almost like he gets to the end of it, he don't know what to do. And so one of the last thing he does is he goes that, he does that big old long, Whoa! And I'm just like, oh, you ruined it. <laughs> you ruined it. You make me want to pull this into my audio editing program and cut all that crap out, and then figure out a way to get you to go straight into uh, Black Diamond. <laughs> um, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it when I do. I'll send you a copy of it because he, he he does so great, and then he ruins it at the very end because he just don't know what to do. Um. Yeah, I got, he ruins this song for me by, and even when he plays this song, I love, I still love you. It's one of my favorite Paul Stanley songs, but I I really, this is one of those that the studio version is my favorite version because it don't have Paul doing the whoa, 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 and all that other stuff. It's like, it drives me crazy. My favorite <laughs> is still, the MTV unplugged version is still my my favorite version because because of Paul's vocal gymnastics. And I think it's done tastefully uh-huh. for the people that were tuning in to, to MTV and think, oh, kisses, you know, bombs and makeup. And they actually get to see the band sing and go, oh, Paul Stanley. I had a lot of coworkers go. I know this isn't an MTV show, but saying, oh, Paul can sing really well. And I'm like, thank you now. Mm-hmm. This isn't that, you know, right. where he's like you say, he's going off the rails like, OK, pull it back, pull it back. You were going somewhere. But I think it's cool that he was able to mix that into Black Diamond and it it worked really well. It, it pairs mm-hmm. the two together nicely. Yeah. And then he goes into Black Diamond. This is one of my favorite Kiss songs live. Eric does really good on this. I love how they end it. Black Diamond is one of those great songs. Um and it's always it was a good Peter vocal. It was a good Eric Carr vocal. It was a mm-hmm. good Eric Singer vocal. And when it gets to the end where they stop and it does and comes back in with the drums, the doo, 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 and then it goes into that bluesy a solo, um, and then the bombs at the end. I mean, I always have loved Black Diamond, the live version of Black Diamond. I, I like the studio version until it slows down too much. Um, but yeah, so this is a great version of this. Uh, I was made for loving you. Weird, weird. And all the way at the end like this, uh, I was made for loving you at the end of the show. And I honestly think that they should have sang this earlier because I think with it being near the end of the show, Paul, you actually hear him struggling. And I wonder if it was done earlier in the set would have sounded nice. Also, this is the first song that I really noticed that the background vocals were not that great. I think, like I said, it's just, you've been playing for over an hour and a half. And you're trying to go, I was made for loving you, baby. Yeah. You you, you should have stuck this earlier. Midway, maybe. You know, I was made for loving you is like a mid-show mid song for me. Mid to two-thirds of the way through. Maybe even a little before the halfway mark. But all the way at the end, it's just a weird spot to stick And that's it. kind of where it's it stayed. You know, it's one of the last things, even on the end of the road. Paul flies out. For Love Gun, almost close to what this is, you get Love Gun, 
Paul flying out. You get I was made for loving you. You get Black Diamond and then, you know, rock and roll all night. So yeah. at, at a certain point during the reunion tour, Paul was like, no, this is going to sit right here. I think even for a time uh, that this was the fly out song, not Love Gun. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think I did. He said, I'm coming out there to you. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then uh, rock and roll all night. And my notes with rock and roll all night is going to be it's rock and roll all night. I mean, you know, it's it's yep. it's it's rock and roll all night. And, but it's pretty. But my note is it's pretty good on here. So, um, so my final uh, thoughts and uh, and I can't, you know, of course this is going to have to be. We're going to rank. I'm going to rank mine as we go along. Uh, final thoughts on Tokyo. Uh, it's not a bad way to start. I don't think it's a bad way to start a uh, a series. Um, and I kind of, when I was listening to these, uh, getting ready for this series, I listened to them in in the order that they were released because I wanted to hear the progression uh, of the release mm-hmm. uh, and and where their where their heights were and where their pitfalls were uh, across the across the the release of the this series of albums. And who knows how many we're going to get? But I think Tokyo is a great way to start. Uh, it's a good show. Um, I think a lot of people probably kind of it was a it was kind of a safe bet because of course Paul and Gene's gonna be in all of them. And you had Eric and you so you had a little something old and something new. You had Eric and Ace. Yeah. And I think as long as on this first release, as long as there was Paul and Gene and maybe one of the other original members, so Ace and then Eric, I think it was a good safe bet start the um, series with. And uh, so we'll have to see in the next video how the next one, Virginia Beach, stacks up against um, stacks up against Tokyo. But my cousin, my, I would give this on a scale of one to 10. I'd probably give this a, and this is just the way I feel about it. Not its technical merit or the overall sound or just one, I really didn't like it at all. Ten, I think it's the it, it's probably the best one that they ever put out. This is probably uh, an eight for me. So, so we'll see. We'll see how we'll see how the other ones stack up. So, what about what's your closing thoughts on Tokyo? I going back to two thousand one and hearing that Peter Chris left the band and Eric Singer was coming back in and going to wear the cat makeup. I was over the moon being a huge Eric Singer fan. So getting, getting bootlegs of this, getting the video bootlegs of it. I listened to this show over and over and over again. It was one of my favorites to listen to. And then if you'd have told me, you know, 10 years from now or almost 20 years from now, you're going to get an official bootleg from kiss. And this is going to be the very first one. I just said, no way, man. It'll be a reunion show or something like that. The fact that it's a farewell show and it's this show, Eric's first in makeup, uh, it's this is a borderline 10 for me just because of the nostalgic factor. And I mm-hmm. I have already wore the vinyl and the CDs out. So I won't say 10, but it is a very high nine. Just again, because of the nostalgic factor and just, what it was for me back in 2001 and it's it sounds just as good as i hoped it it would here all right so that's all for this one so 
Tokyo is uh, Tokyo is in the wrap. Domo arigato, Tokyo. And hachu, uh, hachu, hachu, hachu. <laughs> so we will see you in the next one for Virginia Beach. Thanks, Rob, for joining. Uh, Rob, give out your give out your social media handles right quick. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at RBTE Podcast, and we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash Right Between the Eyes Podcast. Check us out. All right. Yeah, check them out definitely. And you know where to find me, and we'll see you in the next one. Take it easy.